0: Uh, we've been preaching in a little series called Hindsight 2020. Today we will wrap that up. Hindsight 2020, and we've been looking, saying, "Hey, let's look back to history to what to say. What can we learn about ourselves? What can we learn about our church? What can we learn about our culture?" And uh, I just want to say that today we're not looking back anymore. 2020 is in the books. Can I get an amen? Right the crowd goes wild, right? And, uh, if, and we said if 2020 was a dumpster fire of a year, that was Dave Ramsey's uh, kind of term that we've talked about. I just declare today that the fire is out and we're looking forward. Amen? And uh, it's our opportunity to, as Christ followers, to deal with With our sin nature, it's our opportunity to live with humility. That's the word that the Lord gave us as a church uh, for the Gateway Church this year, 2020. Our 2021 is humility, and it's our opportunity to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We talked about that last Sunday. In fact, our key verse last week said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so it's kind of reversed, but its idea is that we put Jesus first. And we've had a little mantra, a little saying that we're trying to get our mind around uh, as we move forward, that it's Jesus and blank. Jesus and blank, that Jesus is not an add on like uh, guacamole at Qdoba, right? And uh, it's Jesus is first in our lives and how important that is for for us to get our mind around that. Our priority is Jesus as Christ followers. And we said that we as a church are going to bet on the church, right? Because Jesus is the head of the church and the church will prevail no matter what 2021 looks like. And we're going to bet on the church and we're going to back it up with faith. In fact, the staff, the board and I, We want to invite as many as that will join us uh, into our mission, into our vision here at the Gateway Church. And let's just remind ourselves what those are. Our mission here at the Gateway Church is to uh, that we are a spirit-filled church. Come on, let me hear you say amen to that, right? We're a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the Lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. And our vision is to become, so we're not there, but we're becoming a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community, in our world. And if you take those two, our mission and vision, and you boil it down to a little simple phrase, we like to say, in fact, our team earlier, before services were saying this together, kind of repeating it together, is that we exist to reach one more on the lakeshore. Come on, let's say this together. To reach one more on the lakeshore. And that's our passion. That's why we're here. And, it, and your impact and my impact in regards to this, this idea it can, be, can move us forward. And these ideas, these statements, ideals can become part of who we are. In fact, I said last week in John chapter 4 that the hour is coming and it is now here. That little phrase is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him will worship in spirit and in truth. This is describing a relationship with Jesus that is so strong so intimate, so special, so powerful. It's describing our worship with the Lord, spirit and in truth, right? Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there's the idea here, there's an idea that our worship is out of our love, a deep love for Jesus. And I believe that in this season, I've said this the last three weeks, that God is calling us to wake up and to count the cost, right? And be willing to be and to say and to go wherever he leads. But I say that knowing that it's not easy. It's it's sometimes it's easier to live like blank and Jesus, Jesus as an add-on. But that's not what Jesus calls us to. It's hard at times, but it's always worth it. Why do we exist? Let's put it up there one more time. To reach one more on the lakeshore. Let that settle in this morning. So how should we behave if this is what we're about? What should we do? What's the most important thing? I want to hone us in as we close this series, Hindsight 2020. The most important thing is our love for God. Jesus. In Mark chapter 14, there are seven verses that we're going to try to get our mind around here in the next few moments. But in between, or the, those seven verses are sandwiched between two other little sections of Scripture. Verses 1 and 2 in, char- Ma- in Mark chapter 14, the chief priests and the scribes are looking to arrest Jesus and to eventually kill him. So that's on one side. And then on the other side is uh, verse 10 and 11 where Judas Iscariot is found actually betraying Jesus selling out for 30 pieces of silver. And uh, theologians call it a mark Markan sandwich that in the middle of that is the good stuff, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Not everyone was against Jesus. In fact, there were those who deeply loved Jesus. And there's a little powerful story, very moving. In fact, some say the most profound passage about worship. And before I read this, before we get our mind around the story... I want to ask you two questions. Number one, do you love Jesus? Let's just let that sink in for a second. Do you love Jesus? And if you say yes, if so, how much do you love him? How much? Because this story is about to set the bar very high. In fact, it's so high that when at the end of the story it says that people will never forget what happened. Let's read it. Mark chapter 14 starting verse 3. It says, "And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, that's Jesus, he was reclining at the table, and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head." There were some there that said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always will have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. I've got that double uh, underlined here. It's double underlined in my notes later. You may want to mark that or highlight that certainly in your Bible. It says, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I tell you, or truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Again, the two questions, do you love Jesus? And if so, how much do you love him? See, this story is really a chance for us to get our mind around what does it look like to really love the Lord? And we can glean, I think, at least three things this morning. The first is this, that a deep love for Jesus is extravagant. It's extravagant. This story is told in three of the four Gospels and two other parallel uh, passages. In John chapter 12, in that parallel passage, in verses 1 and 2, we see who is all at the table other than what's described in Mark's gospel. We see that Mary and Martha were there. We see that Lazarus was there, and we know that it was the Lazarus that had been raised from the dead about six months earlier. And they're at the house of Simon, not Simon Peter, but Simon the leper. And it's interesting to me when you look at that, A leper, if he still had leprosy, would not be hosting a dinner party. And so we can assume that Jesus has healed this leper uh, previously. But Mary is the key to this story. She's the one. In fact, in three different times in Scripture, Mary is seen choosing the greater things, right? We know the story where Mary and Martha, and Martha's complaining, Man, I'm in the kitchen always serving, and Mary's just at the feet of Jesus, right? Listening at the feet, and here she's anointing Jesus for burial with this expensive ointment. For Mary, her love was in direct proportion to what Jesus had done for her. You say, well, what did Jesus Jesus do for her? Well, her brother, Lazarus, had been raised from the dead. After he had been put in the grave, Jesus called him out and said, Lazarus, come forward. Can you imagine if your sibling or your spouse or your parents were dead In the grave, and Jesus raised them, you would be grateful as well. And for Mary, her worship was not just reduced to some preferences that she had, or what was comfortable, or what was safe. Her worship bubbled out of her, and it overflowed, and it was certainly extravagant. 300 denarii. That's a year's wages, uh, according to, to commentators. In another passage, it said that Jesus said it would take five, uh, or take 200 denarii right, to feed 5,000 men, women, and children, right? And so we know that it's a significant amount. In today's day, even at minimum wage, if you put that out for 40 hours a week, that would be about $20,000 poured out on Jesus over his head and over his feet. And it says that Mary, she breaks the flask, she breaks the bottle, she keeps none for herself, she does not have to do this, she doesn't have to be uh, doing this, but she gives the best of what she has. And I just want us to note that when you really love With a deep love, you don't measure your love. You give it all. Certainly in a marriage circumstance, we hope that that's the case. But my mind didn't really go to marriage first. It went to ice cream. How many of you love ice cream like I do? And if you've ever been over and I'm scooping ice cream, I'm not measuring anything. I'm just going to take it all. We're going to pile that thing up high because I love it. We're going to give it all. And that's what we see Mary do here. Mary gives Jesus everything. It's extravagant. A deep love for Jesus is extravagant. The second thing is that a deep love is also misunderstood. It's often misunderstood. Mary does the unthinkable in this story. She pours out this expensive perfume. According to John's account, Mary Actually, wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, let's just be honest. There are layers of weird when you read these stories. I don't understand that. And for us in this day and age, most of the women here have their hair down, and that's that's how we wear it these days. But in that day, not only was she wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, the very fact that her hair was not up and contained was scandalous. To let your hair down was risky. Her reputation would have been compromised for sure. But Mary, she's caught up with the one who loves her so much. She's not careless. She's not dishonoring God. She is deeply loving Jesus. That's what we see in this story. And what's interesting is that the world did not understand it then. We struggle trying to understand even in our day and age with some of it. But let's talk about it. Let's try to put this into practical terms for us today. Your love for Jesus, your commitment to Jesus, following Jesus. When you do that, often you will be misunderstood as well. Let's, let's think about it so with your commitment, with your time, with your money. Some would say, Man, you go to church on Sunday and you're in a connect group, and we're going to be launching connect groups uh, in March, uh, March 14th, I think, and, and, you, and some would look at that and say, I don't understand that. That is a waste of time. For some, you say, man, uh, we've got kids and it's a priority for those kids to get to youth group on Wednesday night. And some would look at you, other friends, or maybe their friends' families would look at you and say, man, what a waste of time. I don't understand it. It's misunderstood. I love what one of my friends uh, recently, Matt, he told me, he said, look, uh, you and Jessica are committing to be there for the next several months, uh, for the next couple months. And he said, my kids will be there. He said, you can count on them. And I love that. But people on the outside, they're like, huh. That doesn't really make sense. Or maybe you're deciding to go through our process with Get Connected and into membership. And others on the outside would say, man, I just don't get it. I don't understand. It seems like a waste of time. Or others say, hey, I'm going to commit to coming to prayer on Wednesday night, which, by the way, we say is the most important hour of the week And we would love for you to come out. In fact, families with students, come early, hang out, get some community, and then pray. Pray for your students, pray for the youth group, pray for the church uh, with us. And and I believe that God will honor that. But some would look at that and say, well, look, you've already been to church. What a waste of time. Or you think about the way you spend your money when you put Jesus first. We talk about giving a tithe. And some people, that's the first 10% of your gross or your net. Either way, And uh, the the, the fact is, when you start to give and you start to say, okay, I'm going to honor God, people will look at you crazy. They're like, 10%? And then they ask you to give on top of that to missions? And then in 2021, the church wants you to give to Project Rescue as well? Are they crazy? And people will say... Man, I don't understand that for sure. What a waste of time. Well, let's talk about our worship experience. You come into the presence of God this morning, and some people are raising their hands, and you're looking around, and you're saying, man, that's crazy. Or others will sing out loud, nice and strong, and, and, uh, and, and you say, man, I, I'm going to sing under my breath because you know I don't want people to hear me. And oftentimes, when you sing out loud, you're misunderstood how Embarrassing. One of my favorite stories I told at first service, and my parents were online, and so I was able to honor my dad. This is a fun story, one of the most endearing things of worship. When he was a student himself, he got caught up in an altar service, just loving the Lord so much that he actually was like dancing around, and there are people kind of laying around, and he had his eyes closed, and he didn't hit a single person. And uh, And what I love, and I've heard my grandma tell me that story, and I've heard my dad tell me that story. It was out of a deep love for Jesus that my dad didn't care. Kind of like David when they brought in the Ark of the Covenant. David said, I will become more undignified than this. I love it. And the truth is, there are some here today, unfortunately, that don't participate in worship. You sit there and pretend to sing. Or you just have your hands in your pocket. You hold back for one of these reasons. And it's not just in the church. Let's think about outside of the church, your day-to-day life. One of the mantras my dad and my grandpa instilled into me is, when you work, you work as unto the Lord. That's our priority. You're not working for Ford Motor Company or even for me. I'm not working for the Gateway Church. I work for the Lord. And that was one of the mantras that my family has taught, and I've taught that to my kids, and it's important. I was just with my grandpa this last week and and, uh, talking about uh, he worked for Ford Motor Company just like my dad did. And my grandpa was telling me that he was often misunderstood and that he would get teased. And uh, my dad would also explain to me many times, he would, he would say that he'd be working as unto the Lord, uh, working hard like he should. And, peop- and his co-workers would be like, Dan, slow down. We need the overtime on Saturday. And, and my dad was like, no, I'm working. I'm going to give my best, and I'm not going to worry. If we get overtime, great. If not, no big deal. And my dad worked unto the Lord. My grandpa had the same mantra. They worked together. But again, he was teased to the point. Because he was a Christian, their guys, my grandpa was a carpenter at the plant that they worked at. He would have a boombox radio, and many times they would take my grandpa's boombox and hide it. And it would be a couple days before he'd find it. And on two occasions, my grandpa told me this story this week. I'd never heard it. He said on two occasions, they would actually take his boom box and put it in the trash compactor and destroy it. All because he was vocal about his faith, putting Jesus first. And, and I mean, it saddens me. I'm thinking, man. And in our story, Mary is misunderstood, kind of like my grandpa And they said in the story, look at it again, what a waste it says in the Word of God. Mary was scolded. She was shamed. And the truth is, our deep love for Jesus will be misunderstood at times as well. A deep love for Jesus is extravagant. It's often misunderstood. But there's a third thing that caught my attention this week. A deep love for Jesus results in spiritual insight. Let's try to unpack this. In our story, Mary, it says that she did all that she could. I, again, I've got it underlined here. She has done what she could. Let me just ask us, have you, and I'll ask myself, have I done what I can? Have you done what you can to love Jesus with your devotion to him? with your worship, with your giving, with your serving, with your time. I believe God is looking for people that are total surrendered to Him. And if you hold back an area, how is that going for you, right? If you hold back and you say, ah, prayer is not that important, how is that going? Or your devotion, or you're holding back your money, how is that going for you? Or your relationship, listen, the point is in this message or in this story, it says to do what you can. She did what she can and we need to do what we can. And in regards to spiritual insight, where I want to focus, how did Mary know about Jesus and his soon coming death and resurrection? Or death and burial, I should say. Well, the answer, how did Mary know, is found in her deep love for Jesus. At least three times in the book of Mark, before this story, Jesus had clearly told his disciples and followers that he would die and then be raised from the dead three days later. And so for Mary, she paid attention. There was a spiritual awareness. There was a spiritual receptivity in Mary. And it was linked directly to her time with Jesus being in his presence. This is huge. You got to get this. Jesus was the biggest thing in her life. Mary modeled what we've been trying to get across this idea of Jesus and blank. Jesus and blank is exactly what she was modeling. And out of that, there was spiritual insight. It was the byproduct of this kind of living. So let's just pause and ask ourselves what is the biggest thing in our lives? What's the biggest thing in your life? What's the biggest thing in my life? I ran across an A.W. Tozer quote. It's a little lengthy, but it's worth the, the read. Look what it says. It says, The great in the kingdom have been those who loved God more than others did. I venture to suggest that the one vital quality which they all had in common was spiritual receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven something which urged them Godward, without attempting anything like a profound analysis, I shall say simply that they had spiritual awareness and that they went on to cultivate it until, listen to this, it became the biggest thing in their lives. What that speaks to me, again is this idea of Jesus first and blank. This is God's heart for each and every one of us, to be fully devoted to him, a deep love for Jesus. And as we close, let's just remind ourselves that deep love is extravagant, it's often misunderstood, and it does bring spiritual insight But in Mark 14, verse 9, it says this, And truly I say, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. It appears that a deep love for Christ is applauded by God. Jesus wants us to study stories like this. He wants us to remember this one. It's not like Jesus said, hey, don't forget. Remember, I walked on water. Or he doesn't say, hey, remember, don't forget, I fed the 5,000. Or even he's sitting there with Lazarus and saying, hey, Lazarus, don't forget, you were in the grave rotting and I called you out. I raised you from the dead. It's as if Jesus is saying, Get this story there into our hearts. Personal devotion to God is the key. A deep love for Jesus. See, our love, what we can give, is what Jesus wants from each and every one of us. Do you ever do anything for Jesus just because you love him? Maybe practically or even impractically? something over the top. For some of you, over the top would be following Scripture, what we believe Scripture says, to give the first 10%. For others of you that have been tithing over the top might be this idea of giving to missions or to Project Rescue. And I promise you, when you start to live that way, and if people at your work or in your family that don't know Jesus, or even people that do know Jesus, they might be like, Man, that's crazy. Over the top for you might be that you're going to commit to Sunday mornings and Wednesday night prayer meetings. And people are going to be like, you're nuts. Why are you leaving the house? Just, you can pray at home. They don't need you to go to prayer. Or when connect groups come around, or even now when we're recruiting, some of you are saying, yeah, I want to do that. And when others hear, they're going to think, man, I don't get it. Or you decide to mentor someone and walk in the faith and say, hey, follow my example as I follow Christ, just like Paul did with the disciples. Do not worry. The world is not going to understand your deep love for Jesus. And it's okay. The question I asked myself, did Mary lose anything by pouring it all out? Absolutely not. I don't feel like Mary felt for a second that she lost a thing. And the true matter is that we all have an alabaster jar of some sort. For Mary, it was this jar of perfume, something that was the dearest thing to her. Most commentators believe it was an heirloom, something that would have been passed down from her mother. And what did she do? with the most prized possession in her life, she broke it and gave it all. And I think about what we can give. What's the dearest thing in your life in regards to your treasure or your talents or your time? Jessica and I are walking through uh, season right now, this just hit me. What's dearest to us? Our kids. That's right. That's and Jessica said, our kids. And right now, this is not. Uh, is it okay if I say what Reagan's up to? Yeah. No, I don't. Our daughter just graduated from North Central and she feels called to missions. And she's going to a place in the world that we're not even allowed to say where she's going publicly and talk about giving your best. It's hard, right? See, blank in Jesus, we talked about that two weeks ago, is easy, where Jesus is a side item or an afterthought. But when you put God first, sometimes it's hard, but it's always worth it. See, this series, Hindsight 2020, is not really so much about looking back, it's about looking forward, saying, Okay, God, what can I do? And I do believe that God is roaming West Michigan. And I've said this the last two weeks, and I'll say it today, and then you may not hear it again, but I believe God is roaming. He's looking for individuals. He's looking for families. He's looking for a church that he can use in this season. And my heart is that we're ready, that we say yes. Say, God, choose me. Choose me. Can you even imagine See, John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 says, The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father. It says the Father is seeking such people. He's looking. And I think, what could God do in 2021? What could our impact be if we stay humble, if we pick up our cross and follow Jesus? If we deeply love Jesus, what could we do? And that's what gives me the encouragement to say that, you know what? We should bet on the church and back it up with faith. And ultimately, the reason we do that is so we could reach one more on the lakeshore. Reach one more. church, do you love Jesus? And if so, how much do you love Jesus? I'm going to share one more story. We've been in youth group the last two weeks and the first week Jessica and I sat over here and then last week we sat in the back kind of over this direction. We're just trying to spread out as best we can, and by the way, God is really moving. And uh, the, I, the me- I preached this last Wednesday, and we're going to post that uh, just the message portion this week. And I would encourage you all of you to to uh, listen to it, talk about the will of God, how do you hear the voice of God, and kids responding and uh, pressing in. And uh, I just encourage you that. But there was a student and we don't know this student very well, but we were sitting here, and he was over here, and during worship, we could hear him singing nice and loud, just like on Elf. You know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is for singing loud for all to hear. He was singing for everybody. And then last week, this last week, we were sitting back here, and he was still sitting up here, and we could hear him from the back row just singing out. Like, it didn't matter. And I'm like, wow, that's so awesome. And I don't know where where his relationship with the Lord is and how much he loves the Lord, but I love the idea that we can give our best to him. Even if other students are like, that kid is weird, (laughs) you know. It's okay. Because he was giving his best. Do you love Jesus? And how much do you love him? The Bible says that Christ loved us first. While we were still sinners, He died for us. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, just know that the kind of love I'm talking about, it started on Jesus' side. And then we give our love back to Him. I'm going to ask that you stand right where you are. If you're here today, or if you're online and you're watching, and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, just know that He died for you. While you were still sinner, He died. You took the punishment for your sin. And all we have to do is receive that love. We call it salvation. And we pray a prayer, a a sinner's prayer, and it's not the words of the prayer that saves anybody, but it's meaning in our hearts. And if you're away from the Lord or you've never accepted Jesus today, I don't know everyone here today. Listen, if you don't, listen, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer asking Jesus to come into your heart. I'm going to pray that type of prayer, and this could be your prayer. You could agree with me. Let's do it together. Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Lord, I pray right now that you would save me, take away my sin. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with you. And I'm sorry, again, for the things I've done wrong. But, Lord, I confess my sin. And I know that you're faithful and just to forgive me, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, according to your word. And, Lord, right now, I pray that you would help me to serve you all the days of my life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, if you're online, you can certainly make yourself known. We'll reach out to you. If you're here, though, make sure you tell someone before you leave. You can stop by the Connection Center and let somebody know. I'll be in the lobby. You can let me know because, excuse me, we have some resources for you that will help you grow in your faith. Take the next steps, and it's so important. And for the rest of us, can I just bring it back to that question, how much do you love Jesus? And we wanted just to end with an opportunity for you, to express your worship express your love in a practical way this song we're going to sing is a great song to do that and I just want to encourage you that if you're the type that keeps your hands down maybe the Lord would just encourage you to do something different maybe raise your hands a little bit or maybe if you're normally like okay I'll do a little bit right maybe go a little more go crazy come on or maybe you are normally singing under your breath or under your mask where no one can hear you and just belt it out. Come on. Dennis, you're in the back there. I, we want to hear you sing. Is that okay? All right. He's going to sing on the lobby. He's our usher. He'll be dismissing us shortly. Let's do that. I told this story for a service. I don't know why why I thought of it, but at my last church, uh, they I've told this story before. But they the, all the pastors would sit on the stage and look at people, even like during the message. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't you hate that, Pastor Bobby? But anyway, but anyway, we would do that, and during worship, I'm on the stage, and I felt like the Lord told me uh, to to go to the Christian flag. There's a Christian flag and a an American flag, and just take the flag and just wave it during worship. And I thought, this is crazy. Like I, people, and so, but I did, I went and I took it and I did, and I kept my eyes closed. And during worship, I just went back and forth and I put it back in and I went back. No one said a thing. And I'm like, what in the world? God, why did I feel that impression? Did I miss you? I don't know, but it didn't matter. It was my love for the Lord, right? And this morning, maybe it's you finding a place to kneel in his presence or to raise your hands or sing out loud. Let's just love on the Lord as we close. Lord, I pray right now that you would be with us. Lord, I thank you for this story, this example of a deep love. And Lord, we want to give you the best. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.